From 99.9 The Fan, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. The way this goes is every week, we've been doing this during football season, we're now doing it during basketball season, we take the four teams from the ACC and we announce a podium. One goes off the podium, one gets a bronze, one gets a silver, one gets a gold. And... Well, this week it was it was uh, I actually think a fairly easy week to assign. I think everybody fell into their roles quite well. Uh, off the podium, North Carolina State Wolfpack. They had two absolute must-win games. They lost them both. That's a, that's a fast track to to off the podium. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that to be honest. They lost to Pitt 67-64. They lost to Wake Forest 83-79. Two close losses. Um, Right, both losses come with context, we, where we can we can dive into the minutia of it, and we will. But the most important part is, you know, your final nine games, you probably had to win eight, and yet that the one loss had to be the right team to lose to, and they lost their first two. So it's uh, of the final nine. So it's you, you took it out of my hands uh, against Pitt. There were there's so many what ifs. We're going to talk about the the Niners later this hour and how there's so many little details that could have changed the game in the Super Bowl for the Niners. That's how I feel about the pit game for NC State, right? If you grab a couple rebounds later in the game when Pitt was closing it out with offensive boards, if you make your free throws, if there's a couple uh, well-timed fouls that you don't make, like if there's any of a number of things, I think you win that game, right? I actually think for most of it, you played better basketball than Pitt. But you didn't do those little details, so you're left with the what-ifs. You're left with the regrets. You're left with the shoulda, woulda, couldas, and that's not fun for anybody. 67-64. Then the Wake Forest game, uh, you knew what that was going to be. After your previous Wake Forest game, with all of the technicals, with uh, your coach getting ejected in the previous Wake Forest game, you knew what was going to come in, in in this Wake Forest game. I thought it was funny on Twitter where people were getting excited that, like, DJ Horn was getting into trash talk after knocking down a shot. I'm like, of course you're getting into trash talk after knocking down a shot after the way that first Wake Forest NC State game went. But again, you lost. 83-79. You could have a whole bunch of shoulda, woulda, couldas. You could have a whole bunch of, well, we were in the mix. You could have a whole bunch of, at least we fought. But that doesn't change anything. You're off the podium. Bronze goes to UNC. This is one of the worst weeks for UNC basketball in a long time. And they've been at the top of the podium for a long time. You probably have to go back to back-to-back losses to UConn and Kentucky. Which is, we're talking months, like double months, maybe two months ago. December. Uh, longer, yeah. Um, but they lost to Clemson following the Duke game, and then they squeaked by Miami. Uh, the the you know there's there's a temptation for when it, when a, there's a rivalry game that everybody builds up as much as Duke UNC to almost start apologizing for the games around it, like oh you lost to was it Georgia Tech. Well, that's because you were looking ahead to the Duke game. Well, you lost to Clemson. Well, that's because you were mentally exhausted from the Duke game. Like, well, yeah, but if you if you play to a, a near stalemate with Miami, two games after the Duke game, 
maybe there is something to be worried about here, right? Maybe there, that it's not just all oh, this gravitational pull to this one dramatic game that we all make such a big deal about. Maybe there is something that is is off in the balance of UNC. Now, I, like, as I've said time and time and time again, um, I still think they're the best team in the ACC. But also, I'm going to say, you know, they got to find their balance. They, they have to find what they, they had, what the recipe was when they had that month-and-a-half stretch where they looked like there was them and then a dramatic gap and then everyone in the ACC, right? Over the last week especially, which is what the podium measures, but over the last two weeks, they've come back down to earth a bit. Right, they've come back down to the rest of the ACC a bit, and and that's not the direction you want to be moving. Right, you want to be peaking going into the ACC tournament and obviously into the NCAA tournament. So you have to look for everything, you know, everything that might be a glitch in their matrix. Is R.J. Davis, you know, just going through a little bit of a hey, he's not making the shots he normally makes, or is he choosing worse worse shots? Right, and that's something that you can only tell. Uh, you know, it's it's right now we're going to enter into a part of the football calendar that I get very annoyed by because there's going to be a lot of of Twitter video film gurus that are going to bring up clips and say, especially the quarterbacks that are controversial, right? Um, the Baker Mayfields, uh, the 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 quarterbacks who may or may not be invested in Justin Fields this offseason will be a big one. And there's going to be like all these tw- uh, viral video gurus are going to watch these plays and they're going to circle open wide receivers and say, how in the world did Justin Fields miss this throw? Bryce Young. How in the world did Bryce Young miss this throw? Uh, CJ Stroud, he doesn't miss these. And then it's like, well, listen, you have no idea what read he was being asked to make by the offense, right? In his zone, maybe he just like the – you know, right at the snap, you know when they rotate to one high safety, to one safety in the middle of the field, he goes to the left. So if there's an open guy on the right, there's absolutely no way he should get over there. Matter of fact, if he does, that means he's looking at the wrong things. We don't know what the coaches are asking him to do, right? So when I say R.J. Davis, is he taking worse shots or is he just missing shots that he normally makes? It's really hard to know that from the outside because we don't know what Hubert Davis and the staff are asking of him, right? Maybe there are shots that they want him to take. Hey, if you drive, put up this floater. I'm watching it going, he keeps missing a lot of floaters. If that's what they're asking him to do, it might be a good decision. But you won't know that until you're in their film room. And I don't anticipate Hubert Davis opening up the team-only film sessions to the media, so we're going to have to just make our best guesses. Although it would be awesome. I would love that, actually. Just just sit back there with, like, a, a laser pointer. Hey, Coach, what are we doing here? Circling guys. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the point of this back screen, Coach? <laughs> Hubert, look at me. You know, I thought this was like a, a good idea, but you can leave now. Fair. See you later, Coach. Ask too many darn questions. So Absolutely. I know what your motion was. Like. Absolutely. Was this a two-man game? Sorry. See ya. <laughs> uh, UNC gets the bronze. Silver goes to Wake Forest. Wake Forest smoked Georgia Tech, which I believe was actually one of their better wins of the year. Uh, But it was back-to-back with the smoking of Syracuse. That was actually last week, so it doesn't play into this podium. Um, But they won two games, 29 apiece, meaning the differential was 29, winning darn near by 30. 
uh, in back-to-back games, which just showed what Wake Forest has. They have the ability to go, right? When they're clicking, they can go with anybody. There's nobody they should be afraid of when clicking. Um, the win against NC State was a little bit more hard, hard fought. I don't know. Weird that you see I hear that Boston accent almost came out. Hard like, fought. Like okay. I've, I've been watching the Dunkings commercial from uh, the Super Bowl too much. Just gonna start letting my Ben Affleck and and Matt Damon Goodwill Hunting accent come out. I respect it. Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest's win. Over, I'm gonna say all my R's now. Wake Forest's win over North Carolina State. Uh, that one was more of a hard-fought victory, but it's almost a one-off, right? Those two teams wanted, you know, if they could have settled in the cage, they would have. If they could have gone in the octagon, they would have, which is, you know, a little bit of a different motivation. So winning that game is a little bit different. I look at the, their their week and say it was good, bordering on very good, probably not great, right? Because they got dragged into the muck by an NC State team that's not playing very great right now. But the win over Georgia Tech, like I said, two 29-point wins over ACC teams. You'll never hear me complain about that. Uh, gold goes to Duke. Gold goes to Duke. They get the gold medal for the week. Uh, they smoked Notre Dame. They smoked Boston College. I do have to ask this. Have I told the story of PR Day on, on the air here yet? PR Day is a, uh, a holiday that me and a couple buddies celebrate. There was a, a golf outing probably like 10, 15 years ago now, four of us get together uh, and we all are like doing our own no-hitter thing where we're shooting, all of us, unbeknownst to each other, on pace for our our personal record, our best round ever. But because that's kind of like a no-hitter, right? You don't go like, hey, everybody, I'm shooting my best score ever because you know what's going to happen is then you're going out of bounds the next four swings. Uh, So at the end of the round, one of us goes like, hey, just so you know, I just shot my best round ever. And somebody else, me too. Somebody else, me too. Fourth guy, me too. And we're like, this is the best day ever. We we literally called it PR day. We made a commitment to play the same weekend the next year. Uh, it was a whole thing. We all hit the range a ton going into the, the next year's PR day. Uh, showed up, played horrendously. Uh, and and <laughs> about, like, about the sixth hole, my buddy pulled out a full handle of uh, – Fun juice, we'll call it, right? A couple of sarsaparillas. And uh, looked at us and said, fellas, this is not a recreation of PR Day. This is a celebration of PR Day. We had a great time playing terrible golf the rest of the day. But the the reason I bring up PR Day in relation to Duke being the gold medalist is because years later I'm telling the story, right? And we're just – we're still so jacked up on it. How – what are the chances that four dudes on the same day would play the best golf of their lives? And I was telling, actually, my dad the story. And my dad looks at me and goes, are you sure you weren't just playing the easiest course in the, the history of the world? And we're like, "There's a, hadn't thought about that, but that's a, it's a, pretty good, it's a pretty good guess, right? Maybe we didn't play the best golf of our lives on the same day. There's a good chance we probably just played a very, very easy course that had very, very easy pin placements and had very, very, uh, you know, soft greens or whatever it was. Uh so I look at Duke and I say, I'm giving you the gold medal for the podium, but it might have been that you had the easiest run through, right? It might have been that you played Notre Dame and Boston College when both of them are not playing their best basketball, right? It might have been you played the easiest course 
rather than you played the best basketball this week. But as we do with PR Day, you can't take those scores away. You can't take those scores away. They still count. They still count. They still count. And I think three of the four of us have uh, have beaten that PR since. So, guess who's holding on? Me. <laughs> the NFL Honors event, the the where Lamar Jackson got his his second MVP. They asked him if he'd watch, and he said, "No, it's too raw. I'm not going to watch. Won't be able to." Uh, I'm sure the Panthers were able to watch because it's <laughs> been about three months since they were yeah. <laughs> even in the mix, right? So they're like, yeah, you know what? We're we're already past the twelve steps of grieving, and we're we're kind of excited for the game. We're gonna have, you know, some sweet dips and wings. But what could they learn when they were watching? To me, the number one thing you can learn is, unless you have Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or that level of dude, you better be the best run organization in the league. You better have the details. You better have the discipline. You better completely reset, reshape your culture. Patrick Mahomes actually said culture is the reason for the success of the Kansas City Chiefs. It sounded like this. It's culture, man. I, I got brought into this culture. Alex Smith was leading this team. They had the, the pieces in place, and Coach Reed was the ultimate leader. And I got brought in, and I just kind of try to exemplify that and, and keep pushing to be even better. And that's why in moments like this, we guys come through, and it, it truly is special. Well, here's the thing with Patrick Mahomes. If you have the culture, that's obviously the best-case scenario, but he provides you a certain amount of margin of error. The Niners were not afforded that, right? Here's here's what I mean by by that. Um, the Chiefs made some some costly costly mistakes. Uh, Justin Watson dropped a big pass. Uh, their center at times forgot how to snap it and was rolling it back to Patrick Mahomes in the shotgun. Uh, there were penalties. There there were uh, mistakes made. There was a fumble in the red zone. But. Patrick Mahomes was able to be the leading passer and leading rusher for, for the team and, and go ahead and, and win anyway. The Niners made some mistakes that they weren't able to overcome. Why not elect to, to kick to start the overtime? I believe that's a mistake. The Niners admitted after the game that they didn't even know all the rules about overtime. Let's jump to the uh, Kyle Huszczyk. Kyle Huszczyk is a fullback for the, the San Francisco 49ers. This was uh, his postgame comment. You know what? I didn't even realize that the the playoff rules were different in overtime, so I I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win, but I guess that's not the case. Um, so I don't really – I don't totally know the strategy there. No. No, we haven't talked about it, no. You can't be in that situation. You can't. If you are a team that doesn't have the dude that makes up for all the mistakes, you can't leave stones uh, turned, right? You have to unturn them all. You have to. On the flip side, here's Chris Jones, a member of the, the Kansas City Chiefs, on taking the ball first in overtime. They're crazy. They're crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because the overtime rules has changed where both teams get the ball, no matter who scores. So, you know, uh, Originally, you want to let you want to let the other team get the ball, stop them holding the three, so you know where you got. Or if you stop them, they punt it. Then all you have to do is kick three. They went on to say that the Kansas City Chiefs, every step of the playoffs, had somebody come explain to them the overtime rules. That's what you need to do. You have to be obsessive about it. 
You have to. Make sure you don't have a low kick on an extra point. Get it blocked. Change the whole game. Uh, don't have penalties. Trent Williams might be the, the San Francisco 49ers' best player. And that's not an exaggeration. That's saying something on that roster because they got some really, really good players. He had back-to-back plays with penalties, a false start and a hold. What the Niners showed is there's not many positions on the field that I don't think the Niners had the advantage over the Chiefs. Secondary and quarterback. It's kind of it. Maybe tight end, depending on what your cup of tea is for your style of, of tight end. But George Kittle's a much better blocker if you're looking for that sort of thing. And still, the Niners, just a couple of details, got them caught up. So let's look at the Panthers now, right? Does any uh, you could be the biggest Bryce Young fan in the world? Do you think he's Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady? No. So you better be the culture that is all about making sure every single detail is one hundred percent known by everybody. Uh, the importance is appreciated by everybody, and and you are all on the same page with it. This also goes for Dave Canales too. Go, uh, As a new head coach, Dan Morgan and Dave Canales, I would say it goes for more of them, more for those two than everybody else in the organization. The, when I hear those those comments from Kyle Juszczyk and even Eric Armstead, who's a defensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers, said the same thing. Like, no, we didn't, really didn't know there was a different rules in overtime in, in, in the postseason. The thing about me as, as a former coach, I always coached. Every practice, there were situations that we brought up. Like, hey, you know what? We're, we're down a goal, and there's two minutes left, and we don't have any timeouts, and we're on defense. This is what we're doing. It, it, I would constantly drill those. You know what? We might not face this situation at once this whole season. We only may have it once this season, but we're going to be ready for it. And it always it, – when I so when I hear that from professionals – that they weren't prepared for situations, that they didn't have their team prepared and understanding and ready for those things. I'm sorry. Like, this is your job as a coach. This is, to me, is is Kyle Shanahan's biggest failure is this. It's like your team clearly isn't prepared fully for the situation because you yourself weren't fully prepared for the situation. 100% agree. Uh I had a few times in college where I was I was lucky enough to serve as a captain, go out there for coin tosses mm-hmm. and stuff. And one of the things I can say about my coaching staff, the the coaches that I had, we didn't agree on everything, but one of the things I, I really was impressed by is every single person on the team knew what we were doing with the toss, right? It, it, it wasn't, it was, you know, hey, if we win the toss, we're going to defer. And it, and then it, we knew which way we were going because of the wind. And we, like, it was just one of those things where that strategy, everybody you know, when you're going into overtime, it shouldn't be like, you know, the defense is peeking their head out like, are we up first? Mm-hmm. It should be as soon as we're going to overtime, it's like, hey, if we win if we win the toss, we're out there first or we're out there second. We all know because this is the strategy. It, it's, it's, it's the details, and that's what you can learn from it, right? Unless you and, – and even if you have Mahomes or Brady, you still want to have the details on your side, but you can lose a couple of them and still win the game. Right, you can lose the turnover battle, but they got that secret sauce thing at the end of the game where they're just going to win it anyway. If you don't have those guys, you need to win the details. You need to win the turnovers. You need to win the the you know special teams. You need to win the uh, rules loopholes. You need to win all of it. That's where Belichick separated himself as a coach. He understood little loopholes and mm-hmm. rules, and he's like, okay, how eventually can I use it and manipulate it to my advantage at some point? And he would do things like that. And guess what? 
There's a reason why he won so many Super Bowls. And, and I mean, it didn't hurt that he had Brady, mm-hmm. but it's still like he also himself, from his mindset, had to know all those things John and Harbaugh, prepare everyone. John Harbaugh has done it in the past. Mike Tomlin has done stuff like that in the past. It's not a surprise that the guys who are the longest running head coaches, the most respected head coaches, are the ones who are truly obsessing over the rule book, looking for every advantage, truly obsessing over uh, every little thing. Um, I mean, it's it's – it's a lesson learned. And I'm not saying we're not like breaking news here, right? This is not brand new information. You're like, oh, the detail, the little things add up. Way, way to let us know. But that's a perfect example, right? The Niners are exactly what the Panthers want to be. They brought in the same people that hired Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch to hire Dave Canales and Dan Morgan, Sportsology. It's the firm that was hired by Dave Tepper to fill those two positions, to consult on those two hires. They are trying to mimic the San Francisco 49ers. Well, guess what? The San Francisco 49ers have done just about as well as you could. They found what might be a Hall of Fame tight end in like the fifth round. They found a starting quarterback in the seventh round. They found Fred Warner in the mid-rounds. They traded not no first-round picks for uh, Chase Young and Christian McCaffrey and all these guys, and they still came up short because they were just off on the details. So the, the Panthers, even if everything goes right, and you find all these starters in the mid to late rounds and all these all pros in the mid to late rounds, don't lose it on not knowing the playbook, not knowing the rule book, not being focused in the big game. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.